Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the first chapter. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they enjoyed their wedding night, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. This would bring the prophet's embryonic revelation to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will, be, will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew for God is with us. Then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. He named the baby Jesus. The word of the Lord. So we are in a worship series called Impossible Possible. One of the kids was asking, how come the I am is crossed out? And it's because we are exploring what is impossible for us is possible for God. We've talked about how God makes peace possible and hope and joy. We've heard those prophecies from Isaiah when the people were in an impossible situation and God made hope and joy possible. One of the decorations of Advent is the Advent wreath. And there are four candles on the outside um, and, a, and a single white one on the inside. And we light one candle for each Sunday of Advent. And so it's progressive. The first Sunday of Advent, you light one candle. And the second Sunday, you light the, second, the first and the second. And then the first and the second and the third. So you can go to the next slide to show the Advent wreath. There it is. And last week, we, we lit the, the pink candle, which is pink is the, a rose, is the color of joy. And this Sunday, you get to light all four. It's pretty exciting. And then that center one is for Christmas, and you light that one on Christmas Day. So this morning, as we look at God making love possible, we're going to hear how God does that through the story of Joseph, which Gail shared with us. Our ancestors in the faith left us four gospels, four testimonies of the good news of Jesus the Christ. And they have some things in common, but there's actually a lot of differences between the four. They have different emphasis and different stories and different sayings and, and different, you know, concerns and tender spots. They even have contradictions. Only two of the Gospels include accounts of the birth of Jesus. That's Matthew, which we heard this morning, and Luke. The other two, Mark and John, they just start right off 
with Jesus as an adult. In both Matthew and Luke, an angel announces the pregnancy of Jesus. In Matthew, as you heard, it was an angel coming to Joseph. In Luke, it's an angel coming to Mary. So perhaps there were two angels. Perhaps there was one angelic um, event that was remembered differently in different communities. The Gospels were written 80 years later. But what's important for us to remember is the gospel writers were not writing us a biography. They were writing a testimony, a faith statement, the good news of Jesus Christ. And faith statements, testimonies, are all about naming what God did and how we were transformed. There was actually more than four gospels written. I mean, the first a couple hundred years after the death and resurrection of Christ, the Christian church, the whole gathered faithful, got together and discerned what writings would be included in the Bible. And they chose these four and the others they didn't. I find it fascinating that they chose four, not one. If they had one, then we wouldn't have conflicting stories, but they kept all four with differences. Maybe it's because they were written from different perspectives for different peoples, and, and it was important that different people hear that good news for themselves. Matthew's gospel was written for a Jewish Christian community. Of course, all the first disciples were Jewish. The early church was all Jewish. But, but the message of Jesus was for the whole world. And that was actually a little scandalous, that this salvation of God was for more than just God's chosen, but was for the whole world. And it was caused conflict in the early church. And so in Matthew, while it was written to Jewish community, we hear all of those references to the whole world, to that salvation for the whole world. And we hear in the Gospel of Matthew, clearly written to people who were born Jewish, who knew Jewish scripture, followed Jewish law, people like Joseph. Joseph had a quandary. Joseph had a quandary about his own marriage. Marriage was a little different back then. Um, a little different than it is for us. Marriages were typically arranged by families. That's a big difference. And marriages at that time had engagements and weddings, just like we do. For us, the wedding is the legal event. For them, the engagement was the legal event. And marriages were seen primarily as a civil contract more than a romantic relationship. We tend to think marriage is predominantly a romantic relationship um, until you've been married about 20 years and then you're really seeing the civil contract part of it. <laughs> so they had an engagement. Um, with the engagement, uh, the, the couple would come together and become engaged. Um, that was the legal port. There was a ceremony and then the girl would return to her home and the boy would return to his home. The law was the girl couldn't be younger than 12 and the boy couldn't be younger than 13. And they returned to their homes and stayed there for several years. 
And then when they came back together at the wedding, then after the wedding, the bride left her father's home and went to her husband's home, we're told. So today's gospel with Joseph, it's about that in-between time. They've been engaged. The legal part's been done, but the wedding hasn't happened. And Mary turns up pregnant. Well, there's generally only one way that pregnancy happens. Joseph knows how that worked. And so the question was, was it consensual or was it rape? Jewish law actually has provisions for a young woman who is betrothed, engaged, um, who turns up pregnant um, and responding based on consensual or rape. So Joseph was faced with a quandary, with a choice. He had three options. None were good. One was proceed with the wedding, marry, you know, get married to a woman carrying a child that was not his. Another was divorce her publicly um, and maybe um, uh, expose her to being stoned. That was one of the responses in Deuteronomy. The other was divorce her quietly. And then this whole future he had was gone. None of those options were very good options. Now, we don't, we, we're not told how Joseph felt about Mary. We don't know if he loved her or if he was in love with her. Just because a marriage is arranged does not mean that there is no love there. We don't know. We can assume that he felt betrayed when he found out she was pregnant, that it felt like adultery to him. Of course, maybe he never met Mary, and he's thinking, whoo, got out of that one. We just don't know. We don't know how he feels about it. Something else we don't know about Joseph is how old he was. Art throughout the centuries has often depicted Joseph as old, has anyone seen an image of Joseph like with white hair holding a little baby? Well, we don't know how old he is, but that's how artists uh, uh, have depicted him. We do know he was over 13. But because we've seen those images, it can be a little shocking to think of Joseph as a teenager, as 14 or 15 or 16. And I've always kind of wondered, why was Joseph depicted as old? It could be because of Joseph's wisdom in listening to the angel and choosing the life God offered him. But you know, young people can be wise. It could be because of our discomfort at after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph had a normal marriage, and maybe that caused us a little discomfort. We can't imagine two teenagers <laughs> So we don't know how old Joseph was, but we know he's over 13. We don't know how he felt. I love this image of Joseph as a strong protector. This is a statue I have at home of Joseph sitting cross-legged with Mary, holding Mary and holding the baby Jesus. We do know that Joseph walked 100 miles to Bethlehem with a very pregnant wife. So Joseph had a choice. None seemed like good options, although he had narrowed it down to two, divorce. And then the angel comes to him in a dream with a message from God. 
And the angel tells him what to do. Proceed with the wedding. And the angel comforts him and assures him, Joseph, you haven't been betrayed. God is up to something. God is up to something big. And you get to be a part of it. Faithful people all assume that God is up to something big. Rarely assume that they get front row seats to watch God do it. So the angel comes to him, quotes from the prophet Isaiah, which we've been hearing these last several weeks. Joseph would have known that passage about a virgin giving birth. He may have even memorized it. There was a tradition um, at that time of, for Jews memorizing uh, parts or all of the Torah and the prophets. Do any of you have uh, verses memorized from Scripture? It's a Christian tradition. It was a Christian tradition to actually memorize an entire gospel. Perhaps that could be a New Year's resolution. I recommend Mark. It's the shortest. So, so Joseph hears the Scriptures proclaimed to him. An angel is telling him how to proceed, and everything changes for him. His life was transformed in that moment. That huge disappointment he must have felt is now transformed into joy. God was coming to save them. His wife was carrying the Son of God. He would get to hold and nurture the Son of God. This great act of God was happening right around him, and he got to be part of it. Love was made possible for Joseph. Love for Mary, love for Jesus, love for this new life of raising and caring for the Son of God, Jesus, who would be the Christ. Now, before I said that we don't know how Joseph felt, or if he did love her, how he loved her, if any of you have been in a romantic relationship, you know that things change. The first month of, of your feelings, that's different than the sixth month, which is quite different than the sixth year, which is quite different than the 26th year. Things change. The way we experience love changes. It is all love. This week, my son asked me if I love somebody, and I was talking to him about, you know, love can be different things. And he said, you know, when you're with them, do you have an oxytocin release in your brain? So, well, I don't know. There's an oxytocin release in my brain. But scientists have found that oxytocin is a brain chemical that is released that goes with love, with affection, with the good feelings of love. Arthur Brooks, who is a scientist on the science of happiness, named it this way. He said, like is an emotion. Liking someone is an emotion. Love is a decision. Like is an emotion. Love is a decision. As a parent, I get it. Because I love my children. But when our very first was born, 
He was beautiful, and I loved holding him and looking at him, and I loved him so much. And that baby did not sleep through the night. And it went on and on for months and months and months into this. In the middle of the night, I got to tell you, I was not feeling affection. I was feeling exhaustion. If love was all about good feelings, I don't think any relationship would last longer than a month or two. Because within a month or two, something happens. Something hurtful, something painful, there's a problem. And now love is a decision. A decision to persist in the relationship. And that is love. I think the truth is we can say the same thing about hate. Hate is a decision. Rage is an emotion. Hate is a decision. Love is a decision. Joseph was faced with a decision. This last week, our church was faced with a decision. And it's about renting our parsonage. Our parsonage I don't use since I have a house. And so we have been renting our parsonage to families transitioning out of homelessness. Unlike Joseph, who had three bad options, we had two really good options. Arthur Brooks also said conflict is actually more, conflict of good decisions is harder than bad decisions or, you know, bad choices. Boy, we felt it. We had two really good options. Both our families transitioning out of homelessness. Both were with really good agencies. And we try to predict, because we have to be good stewards of that property, of how, you know, things would go. There are no guarantees when you rent to somebody that it's going to be all butterflies and rainbows. Just like Joseph had no guarantees. When Joseph went forward with the marriage and married Mary, it was not very long before Herod was coming after Jesus and Joseph had to take Mary and Jesus, and they had to flee. They were refugees. They went to Egypt to escape. So it was not guaranteed goodness for Joseph. It's not guaranteed for us either. Joseph made a decision for love. And so our leadership team came together this week and made a decision, and on Friday we signed the lease, and right now a family is moving out of a homeless shelter into our parsonage. What a beautiful way to begin the holiday, the Christmas season for them. Love was a decision for Joseph. It was a decision with the comfort and assurance of God. Love was made possible by God. It was a gift from God to Joseph. Joseph's way forward was about ending the relationship. God's way forward was about choosing relationship. God makes love possible. Christmas is a time of loving. It is a time of loving, of we celebrate this love-bearing birth of Jesus, and we celebrate it by loving each other, by giving gifts, 
by spending time together, by eating together, in charitable giving, in peacemaking, in this goodwill for the whole world. It is a time of building a world where love is always possible and chosen. But Christmas is not so simple. We're only one week out. Perhaps some of you are feeling that anxiety, the anxiety of getting the right gifts or getting enough gifts or not getting too much or you're feeling some nervousness about holiday gatherings that could have strained relationships, often which we enter with the goal of enduring rather than repairing those relationships. Or maybe you're just worried about what the roads are going to be like Christmas Eve. Here in Idaho, not so bad. Other parts of the country, it's bad. But we've had, I mean, roads can get bad here. So God takes all of that anxiety and that nervousness and that, that worry and transforms all of that into possibilities for love. That's what God did for Joseph. Sent an angel to comfort him. That's what God does for every one of us. God comes to comfort our anxiety, to assure us of God's love, and then makes love possible. God comforted and assured Joseph, and that we are told Joseph woke up and did exactly what the angel commanded him to do. God makes love possible, and we are faced with the same decision, that same decision for love, love that is a choice and then is an action. That's what Joseph did. Joseph made a decision, and then he took action. God makes love possible. And then we have a decision to make, and we have action to take. This Christmas season, what love is God making possible for you? What decision do you have to love? And then what action will you take? Let us pray. Lord God, you came to Joseph. You sent an angel as a messenger with comfort, with assurance. And then, Lord, you made possible what seemed impossible. Lord, we need your comfort. We need your assurance so that like Joseph, we can choose love. We can make the decision for love and we can take action like Joseph did. Lord, we pray this all in the holy name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crosswaite. CUNY United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.